This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So tonight we are uh, learning Leilu Nishmat, uh, the 1200 plus holy souls that uh, lost their lives during this war. Also for Lufuash Lema too, the, there's, as of now there's about 3400 uh, Israelis that are injured. We're also learning of Shemat Chava Bat Chaya Estel, and we're also learning Leiluni Shmat Avram Rabavram Ben Chami Yehuda Yecheskel Ben Rabavram. So, the way that we'll <coughs> try to structure it tonight is we're going to go through current events, and uh, we're going to add responses and lessons and things that we could take upon ourselves, and the. Preparation for this class was extremely, extremely difficult. Um, number one, just preparing for it and, and reading things online on the news and, and what's going on is is beyond extremely difficult. In fact, uh, you know, the, the, since since the Holocaust, we never had so many Jews die in one day. That's a sentence I never thought anybody would say again since the Holocaust or equal to the Holocaust. Um, you know, the people are, are walking around like zombies. People are in their own mind. They're checking the news and they're saying to Hillim and they're doing, you know, like everybody is just like, we're sort of like coasting through life as it is right now, not knowing how to feel and how to react, what to do, what not to do. And the truth of the matter is, what can you do? What can you say, right? What can you say when you have a thousand terrorists plus break into the most secure land on planet Earth? Well, what do you say when you have more than 1,200 Israelis murdered? What do you say when you have over a 100 hostages taken? These numbers were unheard of in Israel. Like how this is the the security, the sophistication of just the wall that if a small animal will come close to it or touch it, the army would be notified and will be there within minutes. But you had over here a thousand. You know what a thousand terrorists are? More than a thousand terrorists. That's 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 a that's a small army that came into a, a, a you know a, a population that they were able to break into. Not 20 homes. They were able to break into 20 towns. They were able to break... What do you say when you have a thousand terrorists break in and and murder men, women, and children? How do you, you know, how do you even begin to comprehend how you have a group of terrorists that overtake a police station? There were so many Jewish women murdered that they needed women to donate breast milk. Like what? When did we ever have this situation? What these animals did to children, I, I don't. I have never read that it was done in a Holocaust. Maybe it was, and I didn't read it. But I did extensive research on certain things, and the Holocaust was was one of them. What these animals, these terrorists did, it didn't happen in the Holocaust. The Nazis in Machshemam, when they did what they did, they hid it. They didn't want the world to see. These terroristic animals, they went, they were live broadcasting what they were doing. Not only they were not embarrassed about the brutality, the animalistic nature that they had, they wanted the whole world to see. And people 
are looking at this and people are trying to understand. What? How does this make sense? This is a question that everyone's asking. Like, how do you understand what's going on? And the truth of the matter is, is that you don't understand. Yishmael, the Torah tells us, in Bereshit, the 16th chapter, the 12th pasuk, it says, He is going to be a wild man. His hand and everything, and everything is in his hand. The the terminology of para adam, a wild man, Rabbi, listen to how Rabbi Yeshua Leib Diskin explains it. You don't, says Rabbi Yeshua Leib Diskin, don't, don't be, don't be fooled at thinking, you know, para is a wild, wild, wild man, a wild animal. Don't think that this is a superficial character trait of Yishmael. Rather, it's rooted in its who he is as a person. The way that it should have said it, if it was just a character trait, it would have said that he was an adam, he was a man who was a para who was wild. But it didn't say that. First, it said the wild, wild aspect. And when I'm saying wild, I'm using a, a very, very, uh, a minimalistic terminology because really it means a lot worse than that. But he's a wild man does not mean that he's a man who's wild, meaning that first, it's wild. Then only then it's a man. And this is why the adjective of para is done before the noun, which is Adam. This gives emphasis on that character, on that trait of, of Adam. Meaning that Yishmael is not a man with a wild character trait. He is a wild character trait that takes form of a man. Unculus explains that Yishmael is a type of person that rebels against all mankind. The Ben Ezra also goes on this, along these lines, in this, and you know, you look it up in this, uh, in this pasuk, that Yishmael will be unrestrained among people. And in fact, the Ramban also, in this pasuk says that this refers to Yishmael wrecking havoc on everyone. And in many places speak about this in the times of Mashiach, that, in fact, the Chavetz Chaim says that even if the cultural world will try to make him into a restrained character, they cannot succeed. He is in essence unrestrained. The Chavetz Chaim, when he said this, he then sighed and then concluded, and he said this over a hundred years ago, Ay, who knows what this Paradam is liable to do to Am Yisrael in the end of days? That's what the Chavetz Chaim said over a hundred years ago. And in fact, the Zohar in Parsha Shmo says that there's no exile that's going to be more difficult than that of Ishmael. Rav Chaim Vital, the student of the Arizal, Says that in the future, Ishmael will cause extreme bizarre grief, likes we have, which we have never seen. And it's very interesting. Rabbi Chaim Vital explains and says that there are really there are four exiles, but in essence, when you break it up, there's really a fifth exile. The last exile before Mashiach comes is called the exile of Ishmael, and that's going to be the most terrible and difficult of all. They're going to bring so many affliction on the Jews and they will suffer. This is what the Rechaim Vital says, that they will cry out to Hashem. They will cry out to Hashem in prayer and He will answer them and He will hear them. This is what we're dealing with. We, we, try, we can't understand. You can't understand why an animal behaves like an animal. Like, like that's, you, there's no logic to it. You can't begin to comprehend it. But what we're supposed to do when this happens, and this is the first thing, the first thing out of the many things that we can learn of what and how to respond, as Reb Chaim Vital says, we have to cry out to Hashem. We have to daven. Don't just hear the news. Don't just listen to it and then, okay, fine, you know, like you feel bad for a second. You listen to it. You feel bad. Stop for a second and say a parakat to Helam. I can't tell you how many times today throughout the day 
I just stopped whatever I was doing. I was driving, whatever. I was saying, uh, saying a parak of Tehillim. One over here, one over there. Learn one parak of Tehillim by heart. We also see that this is what what's going to be in the ikvas of the Mashiach, and the time of Mashiach comes. And the Gemara in Sanhedrin, page 98b, tells us, What is someone going to do and is going to be saved from the birth pangs of Mashiach? It says, You want to be saved from the birth pangs of Mashiach, which is what we're dealing with right now? There's two things that you should do. Torah and Chesed. Those are the two things that you should do. And that's the second thing. I would like to, if Hashem allows it to us to get to at least eight things that we could take a, take away tonight. So that's the second one. The first one is cry out to Hashem. Second one is Chesed and Torah. The Vilna Goan says that whenever Hashem brings judgment upon a person, he first takes into account how it will affect everyone around that person who's being judged. Meaning if one person, if Joey is supposed to lose money, before he loses money, if that's the decree, Hashem takes into account everybody that's connected to Joey, everybody that's around Joey, to see how it's going to affect him and if they're also going to be included in that decree. And if there would be an individual that's associated with Joey that is undeserving of the pain, Hashem refrains from carrying it out. And now, if this terrible judgment came upon Kalal Yisrael, we are all affected. That means that we're all included in this. So don't think just because we're far away or we're not in there, we are very much included in this. The pain is on every single Jew. And if it's on every single Jew, that means the judgment is also on every single Jew. And if the judgment is on every single Jew, then we have to stop for a second and say, wait a minute, why is this happening? Maybe we have to fix something. Maybe we have to do something. Throughout history, only Yishmael, only the, the religion of Islam, with the exception, obviously, of Judaism, was the one that practiced true monotheism. You look at all other, plenty of idolatry from Hinduism to Buddhism, polytheism from Christianity, atheism is, is, is abundant. But there is one religion that came pretty close. Far, but pretty close. And you think about it, but like, they got so close. They know that there's one God. They believe in one God. They believe in the Torah. They're so close yet so far. How is that possible? And the answer is, is that their faith is tainted by the Pere Adam quality. When Avram Avinu <coughs> welcomed the three guests, the passing in Baratius, chapter 18, verse 4, tells us that he went and he told them to wash their feet. Why were they, why do they need to wash their feet? Avram was, you know, the biggest Baal Chesed. He was the biggest one that did kindness. You know, like, did he, did it bother them that they were going to ruin his marble floors? I guarantee you that was not what was on his, on his mind. He did not care about the trekking of the dirt in his house or in his tent. So why did he say, wash your feet before you come in? And Rashi says, because Avram Avinu was concerned that they might be Arabs. And what do Arabs, these are Arabs who bow to the dust of their feet. Rachi says, what does that mean, bowing dust to their feet? We know what you bow, bow down to uh, an idol. What's bowing down to the dust of the feet? Explains Ramosha Shapiro. 
that whenever, wherever they walked, whatever goal they set to themselves, no matter how misguided, they always allow themselves to believe that this is what God wants. They claim that this is what God wants. In modern terminology, in the Islamic religion, they will murder people in cold blood and say, Allahu Akbar. They say, God is great and they're doing this for God. That's why Avraham Avinu says, no, 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 you got to wash your feet. That's not what God wants. That's what you want. You're putting what God wants in your, in your actions. Meaning, so in their mind, they are the greatest of the great. They're walking in the path of what God wants them to do. Their idolatry is that they worship the dust on their feet. Whatever they walk, they think that's holy ground. And it's very interesting. When you look at the, there's, there's two nations that have the name of God inside them. Yisrael, obviously. And Yishmael also. Yisrael, the relationship that we have with God is Yisrael. What's Yisrael? Yisrael comes from the word Yashal. Yashal Kel. Meaning that we walk in a straight path towards God. We are straight in what we do. What's Yishmakel? Yishmakel means Hashem will hear. Meaning that whatever I do, Hashem will listen to me. And I am the one who is going to decide what God wants. So instead of us, which is the Jewish people, we walk in the path of God, meaning we walk whatever God says in the Torah, the Yishmaelim is Yishmakel. God will listen to me and what is that I want. Rabbi Leo Dester says something very, very fascinating. And that is whichever exile we are in, whichever nation is afflicting us at that particular time, that is especially rooted, that very trait that we are lacking. Means it par- something very difficult to hear. It parallels the type of transgression of which Yisrael, the Jewish nation, falls prey to. So maybe another lesson that we could take away is right now we're being tortured, subjugated to a certain extent, murdered by a nation called Yishmael. Yishmael means that whatever they do, this is what God wants. Maybe, just maybe, that a lesson that we could take away is how many people nowadays, they think whatever they do, this is what God wants. Me and God, we're close. Oh, but you don't keep Shabbos, but you don't keep kosher, but you don't learn Torah, but you don't do dress modestly. No, no, no. But don't worry about it. Me and God are tight. How many of us, and those are extreme examples, but how many of us, and again, I'm really speaking to myself, how many of us are saying, yes, no, we're doing what we're supposed to. And we think that Hashem is very proud of us. And I hope that He is. And I'm sure that He is in many aspects. But how many parts in our lives do we say and bring excuses, yeah, this is really what God wants. And we're really okay. Meaning how much better are we in our mindset than the way the Yishmaelim, obviously they're an extreme to a completely different, uh, can't even put in the same sentence. But the lesson do we dive in the way that we're supposed to? Maybe we need to keep Shabbos a little better. Maybe we need to dress a little bit more modestly. Maybe we need to guard our eyes. Maybe we need to watch our mouth. We think that we don't need to learn the lessons of Lashon Hara, but maybe we do. Maybe we have to be extra careful about our brachos. How many things, if we look into our lives, do we? can we say, you know what, maybe I thought that I was on this level, but the true honesty is I'm a little bit lower. And I could work on a little bit here and a little bit there. 
And the reason why I think this is so important now is we just did Shuva. Like, this happened. We just had Rosh Hashanah. We just had Yom Kippur. We just had Hoshana Rabbah where everything is sealed. And we're like, okay, you know what? Like, I cried on Rosh Hashanah. I cried on Yom Kippur. I did my Shuva. I did where I am where I'm, go- I'm good. But maybe a Kaddish Baruch was telling us, maybe look a little bit deeper. We have to think, are we acting as a Yisrael, a Yasharkel? Are we walking in the path that if this is what the Torah says, then this is what I'm going to do? Or are we acting in the path, yes, this is what the Torah says, but I'm going to do this and it's really okay because X, Y, and Z. So that's the third lesson. Third lesson is, do we think like a Yisrael or like a Yishmael? And this leads me into something that is very, very frustrating. And that is when you look at the liberal media. You know, there's many news outlets. The problem, one of the problems, I guess it's a good and it's a bad thing, is when I prepare for something, I do research. And when I do research, I go, I go, unfortunately, all out or fortunately all out. I don't know, depending on which angle you're looking at it. So I looked at, at many, many, let's say, let's call it resources. These news outlets, they don't call them terrorists. They call them militants. They, you know, call them fighters. They don't call it that it, that what it, what it actually was, which is a massacre. They call it a war, a fight. They, they minimize certain things and they expand on certain things. And it's almost as if they make it kind of an equal style fight and they're very you could tell you know when when you read an article you could tell almost right away which side sometimes you can't but sometimes you can tell which side they're pushing and you look at how many people are supporting these murdering animals these animals they, 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 they the animals are better than them and you look at it, you start thinking, how is that possible? Like, don't they see what's going on? It's not even that the Israel is like showing them, look what's going on. Hamas themselves are showing to the world, look at what we're doing. And they're proud of it. They celebrate. They murder babies and they celebrate. They dance. Who does that? Yet you have, you have, you have people supporting them. And now the question is how? How is that possible? And by the way, if you think Hamas is just some sort of, you know, a terror group in, in Gaza, they're not. They run, they rule the place. They're an elected government of the area. They were, they were elected. People support them. More than 50% of people in Gaza support what they're doing. You think about the, the, the craziness of the world. You know, it's almost, you know, Hamas goes over to the, think about this conversation, so to speak. Hamas goes over to the Jewish uh, people, you know, um, <clears throat> we want to kill you because it's in their charter. It's not a secret. So Israel says, okay, we're going to seal, we're going to close you off and we're going to put a big wall to prevent you from killing us. And then they cry out, oh, Israel's putting us in an open air prison. This is genocide. Look at what they're doing. And Israel says, okay, if we let you out, would you still kill us? I'll be like, oh yes, we'll kill every single Jew. And what happens? They escape and they kill every single Jew they find. And then the world goes and says, oh, look, Israel's fault. Yeah, it's Israel's fault for, for blocking in the murderers. Who in their right mind can look at the facts 
and come to that conclusion. You take, and it just gets further and further mind-boggling that you don't understand it. Hamas, they put their headquarters in mosques and churches and hospitals, in children's schools. They put in, in heavily populated area because they're cowards and they hide behind their population. And before the Israeli army destroys a building, they notify. I don't know what army in the world does this. Like nobody else. In fact, go look at Ukraine and Russia. I am pretty sure that Russia, before bombing Ukraine, didn't you know throw leaflets down and say, hey, by the way, we're going to bomb here. Please leave. Israel sends text messages, phone calls to the people living in the building and say, get out. We don't want to kill you. We want to destroy this building because it's a terrorist hub. It's a, it's, it, it's a headquarters for Hamas. Who does that? And then they compare Israel to, God, to Hamas. Hamas wants to kill every single Jewish person. Men, women, and children. And we see they do it if they can. Israel tries to avoid that at all costs. In fact, there was one call in Israel, it wasn't now, it was, it was a few years ago, where they were bombing a place in, uh, in Gaza. And you, the, it's recorded. You hear it with translation subtitles. And it's in Arabic that the Israeli army officer is telling the person, he says, I need you to get out of the building and get anybody else you out. We have to bomb the building. And the other person responds, no. And he says, what do you mean you know? You're going to die. You know what the, 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 the Palestinian says, if we if we need to die, we need to die. So the there's the Israeli officer says, but what about the children? You have responsibility for the children. And you know what this Palestinian response? If they need to die, they'll die. The Jew is the one that says Chas v'shalom. God forbid. The Jew is more worried about the Palestinian children than the Palestinian are worried more about their children. And what is what? And you know what? Who's orchestrating this whole thing? Their government. Hamas is basically telling them, and not basically, straight out telling them, because they're getting the phone calls, they're getting the leaflets, they're getting the knock bombs on their on their on their uh, buildings. And Hamas is saying, "Don't leave. Stay where you are." Hamas is running away and hiding, but they're telling the citizens, "No, you stay where you are. Don't worry about it. Yeah, die for whatever. You'll go go to heaven." So they're telling their citizens to stay and be killed. That's who's ruling this area. And the, 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 this media in the world is trying to show symmetry. Now, granted, now, with all this came out, a lot of media is realizing there's a little bit of a difference over here. And they're changing their tactics. We'll see how long that lasts. I beg to say that it's not going to last long. But there's still media out there that's still siding with the terroristic animals. And they tried to make it symmetrical. And some of them even tried to get Israel to say symmetrical. Like, look, it's symmetry over here. It's equal over here. It's an equal fight. They had, there was a, there was an, uh, um, a article and it was based off an interview with an Israeli woman. This is, uh, today or yesterday. An Israeli woman who had her children kidnapped. And it was a liberal media, I don't remember what the media source uh, uh, was, which, which uh, uh, a media company, but they were trying to say, but like, yeah, but it's symmetrical. And this woman was like, are you, what, no. Says, they murder babies, they, they went into her house and they took her children. Says, Israeli government doesn't do that, you can't call that symmetry. 
You can't call that, there's no equal over here. Israel for a long time has been criticized by the ignorant, dumb, anti-Semitic, uh, pick your uh, pick your choosing, what happens in Gaza. The inhumane conditions in Gaza. You know, Gaza's Israel has not been in Gaza since 2005. It's been run by a terrorist organization called Hamas. And in fact, Israel even went to Egypt and says, hey, you, you want Gaza? And Egypt was like, no, 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 thank you. We don't want these animals. But like they, they, had, they didn't even want their own. So Israel takes it to a certain extent, gives it to them in 2005, and they rule it. And they destroy it all into the ground. And guess who gets criticized? Israel. In the media world. Can you believe it? Who supports these people? Who's, who's supporting Hamas? You look at the world and you start asking yourself, how is this possible? London, Sydney, New York City. They had fireworks, they had parades. They had supporting Hamas, supporting the Palestine. They say free Palestine. Black Lives Matter support stand with Palestine. This, there are Ivy League schools in America that support this, that support murder of children. And you know the funny thing is that if these liberals would go step one foot into Palestine, they'll be the first one to be murdered. The ones that they think they're supporting, they will be the first one to be to be murdered. There's a funny organization called Queers for Palestine. I want them to go in there, see how long they last. And you have Palestinian support groups. Who do they blame? They blame Israel for the for this terrorist attack. You know how, how crazy that is? That's imagine that you have an abusive relationship where a man is beating a woman in, in a relationship. And the man is telling the woman, it's your fault that I'm beating you. And that's what these people are saying. You know what? Like, oh, because... The terrorists came, murdered your children, murdered your wives, murdered your elderly, kidnapped them, and guess what? It's your fault. How is this even possible? And when you read this, you begin to get very frustrated. Like, are you kidding me? How does that make any sense? What is going on with this world? You have people in the U.S. government that right after, right after this terrorist attack, they called for a ceasefire. A ceasefire? You call for a ceasefire a few hours after a thousand people were murdered? You know what? Just to understand the number, Israel is about a nation of a little bit more of 9 million people, about 7 million Jews. 9 million people. 1,200 of them were murdered in this attack. If you compare that percentage-wise to America, that would equal to 43,000 Americans. Imagine, God forbid, there's a terrorist attack on 43,000 Americans, and then a government comes out and say, oh no, ceasefire, before they had America. You kidding me? You know how America's going to retaliate? <laughs> on 9-11, America took over two countries. And now you're telling Israel to ceasefire? So what is going on over here? The media, they call it a cycle of violence. It's not a cycle of violence. If someone breaks into your home, murders and kidnaps your family, that's not a cycle of violence when you go and you retaliate. You know, people in the liberal left, they want to free Palestine. That's what they call it. You know what's good for Palestinians? Supporting Hamas is not good for Palestinians. Israel has been better to Palestinians than Hamas ever was to their own. Everything Hamas does hurts the Palestinians. They use the money for terrorism. They do not use it for infrastructure. The unemployment rate in Gaza is the highest in the world, between 50 to 70 percent. 
So why are people in the liberal world supporting people that you, the, the, you want to hear something even crazier? You look at the Arab world in general. You know where they're not happy? Where are Arabs not happy and they're, you know, getting out? They're not happy in Iran. They're not happy in Gaza. They're not happy in Syria and Nigeria and Kenya and Sudan and Morocco and Afghanistan. They're not happy in those places. You know where they are happy? They're happy in France, in Australia, in Germany, in Spain, in Sweden, in Denmark, in USA, in Canada, and England. They're happy. They're, you know where they're not happy? Where they're ruled under Islam. You know where they are happy? In a country that's not Islam. So why is it that they're trying to go to, 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 to make their country into a place that they're not going to be happy? They blame the country that they're happy in and they want to be in the country that they're not happy in. And you look at it, it's crazy from all angles. It's crazy from the liberal media. It's crazy from the people that are living in there. It doesn't make any sense. And you get very frustrated when you see it. And that's the wrong response. Because you can see how it's all from Shemaim. It's all from heaven. This is what God is obviously orchestrating things. This doesn't make any sense. If this information makes you angry, that's not the right response. Because you should know that it's from God. Whatever is happening is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yes, they're animals. Yes, they should be punished. Yes, there should be retaliation. But they're the messengers at the end of the day. They should get what's going coming to them, but they are the messengers. And you look at the world. The world is full of lies. It makes no sense. Who would ever support people like this? And this is what the Gemara and Sota, page 49b, says in the days before Mashiach, the truth will be hidden. Straight up. These are one of the signs that Mashiach is coming, is truth is going to be hidden. If, you know, like, there's no other way to say it. I mean, it's not even, the, 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 the crazy thing is, is that it's open for everybody to see, but yet they don't see it. That's like the craziest, you know, hidden miracle that you, you, it, it's right there and that they don't see it. And you know, on this Gemara, Belio Dessler writes in Mechta Meliahu that the Chachamim, the sages were referring, you know what it means by MST and Adair, so the truth will be hidden? That's going to be a superficial generation. They're not going to have any depth, any understanding. They're going to, going to be characterized by, by any, they're going to be characterized by their insincerity. And their falsehood in the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And this leads us to the fourth thing. We see lies are abound. Everything is, is insincere. You know, like we can't begin to understand it. People are looking in the very superficial uh, lenses just to see who is oppressed and they kind of go for that. So when we look into our Avodah Hashem, how real, how in depth are we looking? Are we sincere or superficial? The Gemara and Sota, the Rebbe Odessa says that these are, this is a generation that's going to be superficial in their service of God. And that's why what's going to happen is going to be the, the, the world is only going to see the superficial things. When you look at it superficially without, on, on the, you just look to see who is oppressed and you say, you go with the underdog. You don't look at the reasons why. So we have to look into our own lives. How real is what we do. Many of us, we're listening to Torah classes. We're davening. We're doing chesed. But how real is it? Can we make it more real? Can we, can we gain some depth in that? 
And that's the fourth thing. How real are you in your Avodah Hashem? The next thing is, it's, it's been no secret, especially in Israel, there, there hasn't been unity, there hasn't been achtos for a very long time. Politics, just for starters, uh, what's been going on in the government and the different parties over there, there's been a huge lack of, of achtos, uh, to the point that on Yom Kippur, there was terrible, multiple, multiple places where you had from people, religious people praying outside on Yom Kippur, and then you had secular people come and disrupt the, pay, the prayers, tear down the mechitzas, cause prote- protests while people are davening in Yom Kippur. Can you imagine that? You have one Jew that's praying on the holiest day of the year. And then you have another Jew, Jew not only not coming to pray, but they come to disturb. They come to go on protest. They come to tear down the mechitza. Can you, can you begin, like, you look 50 years ago, even the most secular Jew, they understood, okay, Yom Kippur, we have to go and we have to pray. We have to go, you know, they'll put on their, their paper, uh, kippah, they'll go into the synagogue maybe for a little bit. You know, they'll do something. But to go against? Who ever heard of that? This year. What is it? A few weeks ago. You had Jews going and disturbing people praying on the holiest day of the year, on Yom Kippur, tearing down Mechitzah, protesting. And guess what? When Hamas came in, they didn't look who's religious, who's not religious. They killed everyone equally. And what happens when there is a common enemy, everyone unites. The people that fought against each other on Yom Kippur, in the place where they are praying, right now are fighting side by side. Those people that were fighting and they were tearing down and they were screaming against the religious and they were screaming against the secular. You know what's happening now? They are brothers that are tighter than, than by blood. They would die for one another. They fight hand in hand in combat against the terrorists. Unfortunately, when we have a lack of achtut, God somehow sends us a message and sends us a way that we have, we are tied together. No one's looking now when their, you know, neighbors, religious, you know, with, with, when they're fighting against a terrorist, this guy's religious, I'm going to fight on his team, this guy's not really, no, no, no. Everybody is on one side and they're tighter than brothers. There's, the, the, the unity is unfound. You see the, the outpouring. Of what just Kalali Shal is just sending them and how people are willing to, what soldiers, the, the outcome of the reserves and like everybody is willing to fight for one another just to, just to save the land, just to save the Jewish nation. The unity right now is on a level that's so, so high. The unity that was just last week was on a completely different level. The Shemi Shmuel says that, you know, the Sukkot is the Yom Tov of Aaron coin. Sukkot is what happened. Shemini Atzeres. Simchas Torah. What was Aaron? Why, why, why is the Sukkot the Yom Tov of Aaron coin? Aaron was known as a Redif Shalom. He went and he pursued peace. He had very lofty spiritual, you know, uh, you know, were, things that he needed to do. But if he saw someone fighting, he went and he made peace between them. He made peace between husband and wife, between neighbors, between partners. He focused on achtos, on unity. 
And that really says the same as well. That's what his name indicates. You look at his name, the Aleph, He, Resh, and Nun. You look at the numerical value. Aleph is 1. He is 5. Resh is 200. Nun is 50. If you look, you take away the Aleph. If you look at He, He is 5. 5 is the middle number of the tens. Uh, you know, look at Nun. Nun is the middle number, is 50, is the middle number of 100. Resh is 200. It's the middle number of the, the in Gematria, the highest number is up to 400. So the middle number is 200, and that's Resh. His name indicates that he was in the middle. Why? Because he was always in the middle of things, trying to piece and patch people together. He was always into, let's have Achtas, let's have unity, and he was always focusing on that. And then you're going to ask, so what's the Aleph? What's the one? The one was what he was doing it for. He was doing it for Echot, is Avinu Shabashman. There's one God. And that's what he was doing. Not for self-aggradation, not for, you know, anybody to go into the Habiz, you know, a bunch of kids named after him. That was not the reason that he did it. He did it for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We are HaKadosh Baruch Hu's children and we should get along. And that's what his focus was. And Sukkot is a time of Achtas. That's why we have the Arba Minim, the, the, you know, the, we, we have the Lul of the Esher, the Adasim, the Rabbis. Each one represents a different type of Jew. And we tie them all together. This symbolizes that all Jews, righteous, wicked, and any shade in between, we're all united together and we shake them together. Sukkot is the is the of Achtas of unity. We were lacking it big time before and on Sukkot. Hakadosh Baruch Hu put us together that we're tighter than brothers. And we could see the stories are coming out. There was a Jewish woman from Brazil that was killed. And she only had two family members. Right now. She only had two family members. I believe this was today. There was no, she only had two family members. So there was a text message that went out for, for, for if ten men can show up to her funeral. You have to see the pictures of how many people showed up to her funeral. There were like ten thousand. She didn't have anybody. Ten thousand people came to a random person's funeral because no one was there. The unity we have now is on such a high level. And maybe this is the fourth, this is the, where are we up to? Fourth, fifth of what we need to focus on and what we can improve and we could stick with it. And that's the Achtas, loving every Jew, no matter what. And my wife is saying, you know, like, Mashiach comes. If you're not Chasidish and Mashiach is Chasidish, how are you going to accept him? Maybe he's Fardi. Maybe he's Yemenite. Maybe he's Baal Tshuva. I'd be like, no, if he's not mine, maybe it's Chabad, maybe he's Chabad, maybe who knows from different sects where he comes from, and if you don't have the Achdas, how would you go and say, oh yeah, I accept the Mashiach? Maybe a lesson that we need to take away from today, from, from, from all that's going on in, that, in our days, is to build on Achdas, to build on Yudani. You see a fellow Jew, you love them no matter what. They may not look like you, they may not dress like you, they may not act like you, but you're a Jew and I love you. You know, it's very difficult to understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu's ways. We know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is very merciful, but we can't always see it. We have the power of Amuna that we need to believe it, and in fact we're rewarded for that, for that Amuna. But what our nation has gone through has been an extremely difficult time. One day we will understand but until then, what our job is, 
is to see the Yad Hashem, see the hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how He's always with us, even in the most difficult times. There was a story that was going around now where there was a um, a soldier by the name of Guy Madal. And he was celebrating Simchat Torah in Kiryat Gat, which is about 30 minutes from where the fighting, the, you know, took uh, place. And he heard about the terrorist, you know, you know, incursion. And this, this, this soldier, he got into his car and he hurried to the down south. He only had his personal pistol on him. He didn't have anything else. He, when he got down to, to, to Gaza, when he got down to that area where the terrorists were attacking, he saw that there was a wounded soldier. So he quickly pulled him into the, into his car, and at the same time, Hamas was starting to shoot at. They saw they saw this this Jewish guy pulling a soldier. They started to shoot at his car, and he somehow was able to maneuver away, and he was able to kill the terrorist. And then, what he took the soldier's gun, and he killed another five terrorists on motorcycle. He then went and he transferred this soldier to a. There was a field hospital. And then there was another policeman. So this guy, this this guy, which his name was Guy, uh, joined the policeman traveling back again to continue fighting. And this time they were attacked by terrorists, and they were both injured in their legs. They were able to somehow. He went into a ditch, and he still managed to eliminate more terrorists. He placed a tourniquet on on his on his leg, and he laid there for two hours. And there were tens of terrorists laying dead nearby him. And he was just waiting for the IDF forces to come. And when the IDF finally came, they thought that he was a terrorist. He was wearing civilian clothing. He was a soldier, but he didn't. He was came out of shul and he went straight straight away to the to the front front lines. And he was wearing civilian clothing, so they were about to shoot him. But he would try to cry out, "I'm a soldier! I'm a soldier!" Don't. But he was so weak from his loss of blood that he couldn't. They didn't hear him, and they were about to shoot him. And all of a sudden, one soldier stopped and said, "Wait." He has tzitzis. Don't shoot. They saw a little string of tzitzis sticking out and they said, wait, he's a Jew. Don't shoot him. And he got saved because he had a little bit of tzitzis sticking out. You see the Yad Hashem. It's hard to during these times. But if you look, you can see it. There's another story that was going around where you had the, the this uh, rave that was going on. It was a, it was a three-day party. And uh, there were Jewish girls there was two Jewish girls that uh, wanted to go to this party, but they just took upon themselves they're going to start keeping Shabbat. They went to some sort of seminar. They went to some sort of uh, um, a Kirov uh, seminar, and they got inspired, and they decided that they're going to keep Shabbat. And they uh, they had a problem. They really wanted to go to this uh, rave, and and Friday night and and Saturday the Shabbat. That's the that's the biggest thing. So they said, you know what? We'll go, but we'll leave right before Shabbat. So they were in the they were in the the party, the party where the terrorists killed over two hundred and what was it like two sixty or something like that, two thirty uh, of people in that party. And then they left. They left before the terrorists came because they were to keep Shabbat. They ended up taking another, I believe, three girls. It was five girls together that they they left this party that they really could have been there. That they were saved. Why? Because they started keeping Shabbat. And again, there's a whole other thing that I don't have the time to get into. The, another thing to work on is Shabbos from Rabbi Zilberstein. But the sixth thing that I want to bring out now, besides Shabbat, is we have to focus on our emuna during this time. Our emuna gets weakened, but like, what, what happened? Like, Hashem, what, what happened? Like, we're, we're your nation. You know, a thousand terrorists are able to come in, so many people murdered, so many people, like, in the most brutal way? And the answer is, we don't know. 
But we have to have Emuna. We have to have Emuna on Hakadosh Baruch Hu. That Hakadosh Baruch Hu knows what he's doing. This was this was assigned and allowed by God for this to happen. And for whatever reasons that we don't know, God allowed it to happen. We have to stand up and say, "Okay, now what?" But one thing we should make sure that it doesn't weaken our Emuna. And if we look at these little stories that we are going to find here and there and over the coming days, more stories will pop up. And you'll see how you see the Yad Hashem and everything. That's what we should focus on. We should focus on those things and see how Hashem, even though during our darkest time, is still with us. No matter how far we have fallen, no matter how far we've gotten punished, we're always God's children. And we have to remember that. And in the difficult of time, God is looking out for us loving us, caring us, and, and giving us the most merciful judgment possible. As hard it is to understand how this was out of mercy, and I don't know how to answer to you, but we know we have a Vinu mind that cares about us and loves us, and this somehow we'll see only after 120 of what the reason all was. But one thing we know, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Hinei Lo Yanum Yishan God is, does not sleep. God is always guarding and watching over Klal Yisrael. Don't forget that during this time, this is the part where we double down and we realize and we focus on our Amuna. <clears throat> In 1955, there was a young boy by the name of Shimshon Stock that he was going to be bar mitzvah and he, his father took him to 770 to see the Lubavitcher Rebbe to get a bracha. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe gave him a bracha and he was about to leave and then the Lubavitcher Rebbe asked him, says, uh, you know, are you a baseball fan? And surprise, the boy turns around and he's like, actually, I am. He's like, uh, so the Baba Trevor says, the Yankees or Dodgers? And the boy says, the, the Dodgers. So the Rebbe asks him, says, does your father have the same feeling for the Dodgers as you have? And the boy says, no. So I asked the Rebbe, did he, does he take you out um, to games? So the, the boy says, once in a while, the last game we went to was about a month ago. And the Rebbe says, how was the game? Meanwhile, everyone's looking at this conversation. What's going on? The Lubavitcher Rebbe is sitting over here talking about a baseball game with a 12-year-old. And this uh, this 12-year-old, soon to be a 13-year-old boy, said, you know, it was a disappointing game. It was the sixth inning. The Dodgers were losing by, by seven points. And uh, we decided that it was no point, so we decided to leave. So the Rabbi asked him, he says, so the, the players also left? They just uh, left the game when you guys left? And the boy's like, Rabbi, no, the players can't leave in the middle of the game. They're in the middle of playing the game. And the rabbi says, why not? So <clears throat> the boy explains, says, you know, there's, there's players and there's fans. He says, fans can leave when they like. They come when they like and they leave when they like. They're not part of the game. But players, they need to stay in the game and they need to try to win even if it looks like they're failing. They, got, they can't leave until the game is over. And the rabbi smiled at this Shimshon stock and he smiled at him and he said, you know, says, you should take that lesson. In life, you are never a fan. You're always a player. And you can never give up. You can never leave because you will always part of the game and you always have to play. There is a war in Israel. And we are all players in that war. We are all soldiers in that war. We don't give up. We don't ignore the signs. We don't leave the battlefield. We fight. We may not be soldiers. In the physical army. But we're soldiers in the spiritual army. And every single one of us has a different position to play. Some of us can be tefillah. Some of us can be in Torah. Some maybe it's chesed. Maybe it's Shabbos. Maybe it's Tznias. 
We all have a different part to play in a war. Just like you have a sniper, you have a you have a air force guy, you have a tank guy, you have a, you know a, a, a soldier. Everybody has a part, and that's the part that they play. We also have a part. If you don't know what your part is, pick a part and just do it. You pick up at the helium, and that's how you fight. We don't win wars because of our armies, because of our air force, because of our intelligence. Hashem showed that to us. Very, very clearly. You know how we win for wars? We win it on the spiritual front. So the seventh lesson is to become a fighter in Hashem's army. Do something now. It could be small. It doesn't have to be big, but do it. Do it and let that be a schos for our brothers and sisters that are fighting in Israel. I want to finish off with one final thing. And that is... If you can't do any of the things that we spoke about, you could give tzedakah, you could give charity, right? That that anybody can do. Give a little bit, you give a dollar, give a dollar a day. And there's an organization that I speak about quite oftenly, that's dailygiving.org. Dailygiving.org right now is giving their money to different Israel organizations fighting the war. Either were all different things. Uh, and they got, you know, matching sponsors. I believe today they gave like almost $100,000. You could join that. You could partake in that. In joining dailygiving.org, signing up to give a dollar a day. You could do that. Do it for the sake of the, of the, of the soldiers, the mitzvah of chesed, the mitzvah of tzedakah. So while we are in a very, very difficult time and we're all going like zombies... And it's very difficult for us to live day-to-day life when we know what's going on in Israel. That doesn't mean we can't do anything. We could daven, like the first thing that we spoke about. We could increase in our Torah learning, in our chesed. Because that's what the Gemara in Sanhedrin, page 98, tells us. That if you want to be saved from Chayv Mashiach, you have to increase in Torah and Gemilus Chasadim. The third thing is, we look at our own lives. Are we acting as a Yisrael? Are we going Yasharkel? Are we going in the in the in the straight path of God, or are we going in Yishmael? Like we do what we want to do, and we say, "No, God allows it. God understands it. God knows what I am." You know, this is what really what God wants. And that leads us to the fourth thing: is how real are we in our Vodas Hashem? Can we increase somehow in our depth of what we're doing in our Vodas Hashem? Our fifth thing that we spoke about is our achtas. How many people, how many times do we have a little bit of hatred? Maybe it's a time that we can forgive your neighbor, your friend, your family member. And say, you know what? Let bygones be bygones. Let's move forward and be united together. Our sixth thing is that we can focus on our amuna And we can imp- improve on that. Learn something about amuna. Listen to the classes about amuna. Our seventh thing is to become a fighter in Hashem's army. We are not fans. We are players in every single aspect of this war. And the final and seventh and eighth thing was tzedakah, which an easiest thing, easy way to do it is you give it to multiple organizations, dailygiving.org. As we finish, we will all say a capital to Hillem together. I'm going to say one chapter after Hillem. I'll say it slow. You guys can say it along with me. And uh, then we will open up to uh, questions. And this, by the way, for anybody that's listening to this recording after the fact, 
say the Tehillim. People, for some reason, when they listen to a class that has Tehillim, they stop by the time. No, no, no. You also can say Tehillim when everybody else is saying Tehillim on the, even if it's on the recording. We'll say Kapitel Kuflam in chapter 130. It seems like they're so devout in their religion that gives them so much merit with God. Sometimes even more devout and extreme than Jews are. How can Jews even compete for Hashem to save us? I think the simple answer is that, it, well, while you're right, they are very, very devout, but their devotion is twisted. And it's twisted by they what they want. We follow HaKadosh Baruch Hu not by what we want, but what, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. And I think that difference is a huge, huge difference. When they say the generation before Mashiach sus- sustained things will happen, does that mean they won't live to see the days of Mashiach, like the generation that didn't enter the land of, of Israel after exiting Egypt. I'm not fully following this question, but unfortunately there is an opinion that just like when the people left Mitzrayim in Egypt, only 20% left, they do say that that can be a similar situation um, in uh, in the times of Mashiach. We hope not, because uh, there's again, there's two ways for Mashiach to come, through the difficulty, through the good, so we hope that everybody will do tshuva, and everybody will come to, uh, to see Mashiach, and we won't lose anybody. <laughs> the liberal media makes me so angry that political correctness is anti-Semitic. It's true, you're right, but the anger is not the correct uh, um, response because you have to realize that it's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. At the end of the day, it's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They're wrong, <laughs> very, very so, but at the end of the day, HaKadosh Baruch, Hu is, uh, uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows how to take care of the people that he needs to take care of. <clears throat> A lot of comments, which is true, what you, what you, what you guys are saying. It's true, Hamas wants their people to die. That's very true. Um, yes, this, uh, I'm not going to, yeah. There are, I agree with the comments that are coming in. Some of them I'm just not going to mention now because I want to get through them. <laughs> it's true, Israel has supplied them with water, electricity this entire time. And then when they shut them off, they're like, oh, barbaric, inhumane. Like, are you kidding me? We literally have given you food, water, aid, electricity to the people that want to kill us. And when we... Say, no, 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 we're going to turn it off because you murdered our children and our wives and our elderly and our men and our soldiers. That's barbaric. That's how twisted everything is. And in fact, I heard that even Egypt, Egypt wanted to send uh, supplies to to Gaza. And Israel tells Egypt, which is surprising. This is very surprising. Egypt wanted to send the, 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 you know, the supplies to Gaza. And Israel responds, if you send it, we're going to bomb it. Israel is not playing games right now. Like, it's not a time... Like, Israel and Egypt have good relationships right now. Well, we'll see how how it... You know, but they have good... They had good relationships. And they're saying, don't do it, because we're going to bomb them. You know what Egypt did? The trucks turned around and went right back. 
I agree. Doesn't matter who Mashiach is, let him come already. Agreed. Um, okay, there's some questions that are coming in. Uh, those are, it's personal, so you guys can you can message me uh, uh, personally on on you know after the class. Okay. Oh, and here it's saying it's uh, the girls were in Rabbi Mizrahi's uh, seminar. Okay, that's amazing. The story was going around. Um, okay. Um, I heard from a different rabbi that back in the times of Shmuel, Hashem told David, choose a thousand from each shave to fight a thousand to pray learn. That's how they would win. Okay, and then we have another, uh, um, okay, uh, um, daily giving um, link. Thank you very much for that. Oh, here's another interesting question about Mashiach. Can one get married and have children after Mashiach comes? So um, the Rambam brings down that Mashiach is gonna it's gonna be more like a normal world where you can you can do that. There's there's a lot of different opinions on how it worked, but the most common one is that there will be a transition period on how Mashiach um, when Mashiach comes on on the different levels of how the world is going to change, but definitely in the beginning it seems that yes, you can get married and have children. Uh, if you do daily giving, since it's automatic, are you still affected by it? Absolutely. If you give daily giving, if you're giving tzedakah, even though you're not thinking every day that you're giving it, that's why, by the way, daily giving sends out an email. So you could look at the email and then you feel connected that, oh, I just gave a dollar to this organization. Do I think that we are days of Mashiach? We are definitely in the days of Ikfis of the Mashiach. This is not what I'm saying. This is what G'daylim I've been saying for, for a long time. The question is, how long are the days of Mashiach? Do I think we are? 100%. I do think that, but I don't, uh, uh, um, you know, the, and this is not my own opinion. This is based off what the G'daylim uh, say. But then you get, you see it. You look at all the, the Mashiach classes that we gave. Everything is, is speaking in, in, in this day and age. Uh, is the Zoom link the same every week? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, we've got a few more messages. We'll try to f- wrap it up. If they are part of the generation before Mashiach, does that mean you are, meaning you're not part of the generation? Okay, I'm sorry. I don't understand that question. Okay. Um, okay. My roommate is very concerned. The fact that there is a solar eclipse of Shabbos giving the Gemara's take on what this means. Is it the same day that Hamas is calling for Muslims to attack Jews? Is this of any importance? Listen, whenever, uh, um, I, I wouldn't no. I wouldn't put any importance on the fact that the, there is an eclipse on 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 you know the the power of the Muslims if that's what you're asking. Um, but we do if the Muslims are calling for an attack. Um, uh, this is uh, something that we have to take into consideration. You should also know that there's a lot of fake news that are that is coming around, and a lot of it is from the the Muslim media that they're trying to instruct fear. Not all of these again. If there is something to be concerned, then you should be concerned about it, and you should take precautions for that. Yes, anybody? Yes, uh, for someone, if you have a private question, please message me, and let's wrap it up over here. Is there any way we can change the situation from Din to Rachamim? Yes. Tshuva tfila utztaka, ma'avirin isra'ya Anyone who is born to the Hamas community is taught to hate, so how are they responsible for their behaviors? You're right. They are born, they are, first of all, it's a cult. There's no, you, you live in Hamas, that, that you know, in Gaza, there, it's a cult. You're, you're brainwashed over there. All that they do is propaganda. Jews are, you know, like, are, are the worst, and if you kill them, you're the best. Uh, um, how a Kaddish Baruch Hu judges them, I don't know. But, no matter how twisted that you are, if you come to a point where you can murder babies, there is no, there's no 
place, no matter how how bad you are, that you can say like, oh yeah, okay, fine, maybe they didn't know. Like, no, that's a line that if you cross that, it's it's done. And not only that, they crossed it in ways that I, I don't even want to begin to to uh, um, you know to say everything I mentioned today is you know I, I don't know if you felt that it was harsh or if it, if it wasn't. I had so much more. So much more information on what's going on, and I did not say it because I don't really feel there is a need for people to know. But to, when I said that it's worse than the Nazi Holocaust, I, I really meant it. Like, like you know, like it, it's it's it, it's bad. It's really bad. Um, hi, I was wondering if we could add on form the book Chafetz Chaim. If you're saying to to learn on that, you know, like as to take on something, absolutely learn Hilchas Lashon Hara uh, by all means. Uh, by Yosem Mizrahi explains that the essence of America in its name, Amreka. I like that, an empty nation. It's flashy, but deep inside, it's empty and superficial. Very true. Uh, I like that. That's a great. That's a great. Uh, that's a great line. Um, okay. All right. Uh, yes. Did you see the numbers? There's 2,200 people there. Yes, I saw that. That's a combined number. I, I meant to say that. That's a combined number that they're saying. I, I, I From all the... Yeah. Israelis. That... Maybe that... I hope that's... That's... that's I, I hope that I'm right and you're wrong. But if you're right, that's really bad. If the number is up to 2,200. Because all the other media is right now saying 1,200. I saw it on the National Today Show at our local news and then again at the uh, National News tonight. So I saw it three, three places uh, on NBC. Oh, wow. That's, that's scary. Listen, uh, you know, like Hakadosh Baruch Hu is obviously sending us signs. Yes, this is a time that we need to, um, you know, Increase our spirits because it's everyone's very down. But at the same point in time, it's it's so important somebody to try to like take on something small. Like this is your war, also. Each and every single one of us, you know, like we could we we you you never know, like what one chapter of Tehillim is going to do for a soldier. Like imagine it could save one soldier. Like, just imagine when you come up after 120, like, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell um, I don't know if my wife wants me to let this know, but I'll tell you, my wife, every, we know what you told me today. She says every time she's, she opens a news, she decided that she's going to say one chapter of Tehillim afterwards. I thought that's brilliant. She is brilliant, but whatever. <laughs> like, like that's, that's something that, you know, like, yeah, if you're doing something, you're, you, right now we need as much Tehillim as we can. So uh, definitely, definitely do whatever it is that you uh, that you can. Okay, I want to thank you all for joining. And Bezalel Hashem, next week may we hear much more better news, amazing news, and on a better thing. Uh, hopefully, we'll have Mashiach coming. Bemehera Amenu and with her only good things. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.